This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. It is November 7th. Can you even believe we are already to November? It's crazy. And, of course, it's Thursday because it's Thursday. And so we want to say wherever you are, Chris Hemsworth, we would love to have you on the show someday, so I'm sure you'll be there. But somebody else who's a superstar, it is Kaylee Newell's birthday today, and she is a fellow Tulay author, and we totally love you, Kaylee, so happy birthday today. And it is also a Read for the Record Day, and it is a, a program where people read the same book all over the world and encourage literacy. So thank you, Omu uh, is the book, and it is in English as well as Spanish, so pick it up if you have a chance. It looks like a delightful, delightful read. Um, so, But today we are going to talk to this fabulous author named Jeannie Moon, and I'm dialing her up right now. Uh, she's going to be here with us in just a second, and I'm super excited because uh, hi, how are you? One of my, hi, she's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, she and I and Kaylee uh, wrote with Tule Publication for the Men of Marietta series. That's how I got to meet her. And I'm going to do a quick intro of you here, Jeannie. You were an yeah. avid reader as a child, read everything you could get your hands on. And as yep. you grew, you added Sweeping Epics by Daniel Steele and Judith Krantz to your library. You married uh-huh. your high school sweetheart. You live in Long Island, New York with your hubs and dogs and you're near your kids and your super sweet cute grandbaby. Yeah. And you've been a teacher for a, a teacher and a librarian collectively for over 30 years. Correct? Yes. yes. And now you have best-selling romance author to add to your list of accomplishments. I do. It's um always <laughs> a little bit like weird to hear that. <laughs> I know. So. It's like, wait, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you wanted to did you did you want to write when you were young or did you want to just you just loved reading? I did write actually when I was young and I I loved to read. I read the first book I stayed up like well past my bedtime to read like two o'clock in the morning was Charlotte's Web. I was eight. Um uh-huh. and my mother got up to go to the bathroom and found me in my bed crying and then she stayed up with me and finished the book. Um and, and I didn't go to school the next day. But my first writing attempt was a year later. I had been assigned a book to read for a book report. Uh, my teacher said, this is what you're going to read for your book report. And I didn't like it. So I wrote my own. Okay. And I wrote my own okay. book. And um, I turned it in. And she gave me some credit for it. Um, I still had to read, do a book report, but I was able to pick the book myself. So okay. that was wow. my victory. But um so what, yeah, but I wrote my own book. It was called Night remember? of the Living Dolls. Oh, okay. Yes, and it was about a, a girl death. who had to do all this work all the time and and she was so downtrodden because at that point I hated the fact that my mother actually made me do chores. Um sure. and the dolls would wake up at night and they would do all the things for her. And that was what it was. <laughs> Wow. See, now we all need that, actually. <laughs> actually, we do. <laughs> actually, we do. And then in high was, school, um, I wrote stories, yeah. and I yeah. had a, a binder full of stories that I would loan out to my friends. And those were very angsty, melodramatic romances. 
um, for sure. teenagers. Yeah. So and then did they ever it went include from there. your hubs? Did you ever include your husband in the anxiety no, of didn't. the teenage drama? Like, cause you were no, teenager, I didn't. So. I met him when we were 17, and I was I was kind of past it at that point. Um, oh, okay. I tucked my I tucked my my angsty stories away. At that point, I was on the school newspaper, and I was focusing on journalism, which I eventually sure. went on to major in in college. And then you go into journalism, and and then is it? So when I when I got my journalism degree, um, I did a broadcast journalism um, mm-hmm. internship yep. at KS yeah at KSDK there in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. um, I was all like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and it was. It was completely awesome, um, mm-hmm. but it's it was like, oh, I don't think this is what I want to do when yeah. I have kids. It was just like it was the balance just wasn't going to be there for me. Yeah, and the thing is that I I actually started out, I did a whole stint. We had a great radio station at college, and I did that, and my internships were all in public relations. Um, I worked Mm -hmm. for some local teams. I worked in the press box. I I did sports writing. I did – and then I I did some work in the city a little bit, and um, it just wasn't for me. And the thing is, I always wanted to be a teacher. I, I had said I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was 12 years old, and through mm-hmm. high school, um, they all the guidance counselors, everybody said, you'll never get a job. There are no jobs. You'll never get a job. I finally just said, to hell with it, and I quit my job. I went back to a year after, a year or so after I, I graduated from college. I worked for a year. I went back to school and got my master's, and I became an English teacher. And mm-hmm. I have never not worked. I have never not had a job. Right. Ever. Right. So... Yeah, anytime I always someone always says English teacher um, around my kids, they all go English teacher and English <laughs> teacher. <laughs> yep, I did that for ten years. It was so cool. It was yeah. so much fun. And then I became and then a librarian, you, you which is also fun. Became a librarian, right? Yeah. So did you? So I have friends of mine that have done the library science and masters. Did you need to mm-hmm. go back and get that, or was yeah, that something I did? You I got an MLS with? from St. Okay. John's University. Okay. Yep. And. What okay, so I'm curious because and I know this is totally off topic because we're not talking about your book yet, but we will. Um mm-hmm. what what does it a library science require? I mean, what are you studying? Oh gosh. Um well, I got mine in nineteen ninety I was the degree was confirmed in nineteen ninety six. So we were okay. really only just getting into computers. Like at that okay. point. We had C D ROM reference sources and we were able to log on to very rudimentary um, catalogs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was it was it was multi-pronged. Um, I did literature study, so I was studying children's literature, young adult literature, um, literature for multicultural populations, things of that nature. Then I had okay. management courses, so budgeting, um, finance, okay. grant writing, all that. And then I had my reference courses, which were I had to learn how to research everything. And I had to do it mostly um, in books. Um, And then also we learned bibliographic control, which is cataloging. Okay. So, yeah, it was a lot. Honestly, (laughs) 
Because people, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. Because the people are like, oh, well, you know, libraries, you just have to know the Dewey Decimal System. Like, well, no, it's got to be more than that because there's an entire master's degree. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, it didn't even occur to me about the grant writing. And, I mean, that yeah. is, that's its own course, I would assume. It is. And we, you know, the the Dewey Decimal System is one, but there's also Library of Congress. And then there's Sears subject headings, and then there's other subject headings. So you had to learn how to apply different things. So I could literally, if you handed me a button, and I couldn't do it now, mm-hmm. but when I graduated from library school, I could have cataloged that button. Okay. So wow. I could have I could have cataloged it in what we call realia and it would have been cataloged and I could have I could have made it so it could circulate from a library. So So you it's very you precise. were a, so you were um a You've got all these degrees, and and you've got mm-hmm. now you you know you're you're teaching, and you have kids, and and everything. And then, what was the catalyst for you to say, you know what? I think I'm going to just go ahead and write that first book. Like, really sit down and write that first romance. Oh gosh, you know, I always thought I had a book in me, and I have probably I had probably at that point three started notebooks with notes on something, and I I knew it was there. Um, one day I was I had been out grocery shopping. It was the year two thousand. I can tell you what day it was. It was the third anniversary of my mother's death. Okay. And I came home from grocery shopping. I dropped the bags and looked at my husband. It was a Saturday afternoon. And I said, It's here and he goes, What? I go, The book. I said, The whole thing. I go, It's right there and he goes, Okay, I got this. He goes, You go downstairs, he goes, Knock out what you can. And okay. I came out of the office like three hours later with like 10 pages of ideas, like almost a synopsis. Nice. Yeah, it was great. And then I spent the next nine months writing it. Um, it was fine in the summer, and then I had to go back to work in the fall. Sure. Um, so I was writing at night, late, um, and I had to fight with the kids for the computer because they had schoolwork. And that was when my husband right. bought me my first laptop for Christmas. So I finished the book. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I I I actually then, you know, polished it up for a few weeks and started sending it out because it was fabulous, right? It was Oh, of awful. course it was. It was awful. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> but I got this great rejection letter and everybody says a great rejection and it was a great rejection. I had gotten a request from an editor at New American Library, NAL, which is part of was part of Penguin Group. And they published romances, and um, they requested the full. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to sell my book. And three weeks later, I got the package back because I sent off a print copy of this book. I got the whole thing back with a very nice letter um, basically telling me all the things that were wrong with it, kindly. Okay. But then she said, however, I don't want you to get discouraged. You have a wonderful voice. You have a wonderful grasp on emotion, and that's not easy to teach. Everything else you can okay. learn. Join your local RWA chapter. Oh, okay. And All right. that's where I learned, and that's what I did. And I got to say thank you to her at an RWA conference oh, about five years ago. And, really? And she, yeah, I did. And uh, I went up and I said, I, you know, I said, you and you hate going up and saying you rejected me once because you know they're going to start to like cringe away. Um, but I said, but this is okay. And I thank her. Some people get really aggressive that. about it. <laughs> they do. And I said, 
I said, your encouragement, I said, kept me going. I said, it kept yeah. me going. I said, and you believed in me. I said, and ultimately, NAL published my first series. So wow. the, the Forever Love series. So, yeah. that, I mean, that's amazing to, yeah. to go through that process and then be able to say thank you. But you're right. There have been, I have been at conferences where people are like, oh, you're so-and-so, you rejected me six times. And, you know, of course, the editors standing there just thinking if I could be anywhere else anywhere right now, else. I would yeah. be no, anywhere I approached else. It, I approached it differently. And, I mean, it took me 12 years to get my first contract because I was learning the, whole, the ropes and going through the whole submission process before self-publishing had really hit its stride. And, right. you know, traditional publishing was really the only place to go. Um, if you self-publish, it right. was considered vanity press, and I, mm-hmm. I wasn't. That wasn't what I was looking for. So, I, you know, I mean, I look back now and I see these big people who started like in 2011 and whatever, and they they done great. But 2012 was when I ended up getting my first contract. So I kept at it for a long time, and it was funny because that first book, I actually ended up um, taking the characters out of it. And the general premise, and it became my first Christmas book for Thule. Oh, wow. So my book This Christmas actually came out of the book I had called Playing Field. And and that's what happened. So the characters are in there. So, Well, it's always interesting because I think, yeah, I think with our first books, we want to cram everything we've ever thought of, you know. And I think that's the beauty of the writer's group because you get the critique partners and you get the feedback, you get the craft Mm -hmm. of writing stuff. And then you realize, you know, ideally you don't want to put all of your eggs in this basket. You want to have like two and then two in the next one. And so you don't want it to be the lovers to uh, enemies to lovers, strangers, you know, second chance. (laughs) This was a nightmare and it was (laughs) 122,000 words. It was, it was like Lord of the Rings. I swear to God, it was just gigantic. And I just thought it was the most fabulous thing ever. And it, of course. I was like, of course. what? Yeah, yeah and it, I was just very naive. But you know what? It was a process, and it was a process I needed to go through. And it it helped create me as a writer because the rejections I went through, the working with a, an agent for a little while who who wanted to represent me and then edited my book and helped me and helped me and helped me, it it, it honed my craft. And it right. I think that's that's my that's the big advantage of how things used to be, you know, with the, the very long process and the learning curve that you had to kind of get through. Um, I don't think right. that that's there anymore. So when people say, I just don't think books are as good, I think partially it's because, not always, and I don't want to say that because it's unfair, and I never want to paint with one brush. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think a lot of stuff, there was a lot of learning that took place going through this process Yeah. of of, oh, of rejection sure. and revise and resubmit and the good rejection the bad rejection you know the form letter rejection the oh yeah i'm never going to work with that editor because she basically just told me i sucked um the note that came back on the cover page of a book you know all they did was take off the cover page of the book i'd sent them and went not for us and then put that in an envelope and sent it back like not even a letter so like you you know 
and you learned, and I learned who people were, and it it helped me. I think it made it helped well, make me who I was. I think too, though. Oh, I am, and, I, and I'm guilty of this. Yeah, I, I'm guilty of this too. Is you know, when I started writing in 2004 for mm-hmm. um, fiction, I had, you know had my journalism degree and I had been writing, mm-hmm. but it, it was the like the rules to find and know in the craft of writing. All of those books are so easily obtained now, and so I think a lot of the stuff that we would get rejected for back then, right. we can just download a 99 cent or a 3.99 book now, and if we're uh-huh. smart enough, we'll re- actually read the book and not just buy it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, short videos on YouTube that yeah. even RWA is doing, and so mm-hmm. I think that some it does cut down some of the process of the whole you know, learning about the craft and you need to do this. But the rejection is, that's going to happen to all of us. And I think it's one of those things that we all walk into it thinking, oh, not me, my book's just that good. And and, uh, I, yeah, I think it's important that we all say, yeah, you know, it happened. And you you live through it and you fix it and you go on to the next thing. And it was was a good process for me to go through. I learned how to be a professional. It really... I I think that was huge for me because I learned how to deal with people. I made a lot of good contacts. People knew my name uh, over time, like through my chapter and different things. So I think that was my advantage as I moved into it is that as things started to roll. And when, you know, when then I I had written six books for Penguin Random House for their intermix line, which is digital. Um, And then when they just Mm -hmm. didn't, they didn't want my next series. And it was not anything bad it was just that at that point it was a small town romance and they were kind of moving away from that and they had just gone through a merger so things were up in the air but I could let it roll off my back a little bit like yeah I didn't I didn't take it personally I I knew it was business so I and it doesn't mean I I liked it I didn't but you know I understood so yeah, I, and I think easy. that's important to know because it is a business. It's numbers. It's just yeah. you know getting down to it. It's a, there's a lot of numbers involved. A so, lot of numbers. But and books are books yeah. are expensive to produce. They are. Well, I'm laughing because I figured out if you had a hundred and twenty-two thousand word book, um, mm. it would be almost five hundred pages long. <laughs> it was. It was like four hundred and seventy something pages long, or something like that. And it was in Courier. You know, it was like. <laughs> And I, you know, I obsessed over the formatting. I and mean, honestly, as long as it's readable and it's not on pink paper and gimmicky, nobody really cares. Um, yeah. You know, that's really it. It's everybody obsesses over everything. And I'm like, no, that that really doesn't matter. Just make sure it's readable and has your name on it. And it's got page numbers on it because, you know, at this point that's important. Yeah. But, yeah. So well, I, yeah, you're really talking it. about the um, the rejection. I remember my very first book I submitted to – it was the uh, it, well, it is still the stiletto contest, but it was the mm-hmm. chiclet chapter. Now it's contemporary romance chapter. Right. And um, they had this, and I was just like so sure my book was just going to sweep everything because we all do. We don't enter because we think we're going to lose. So right. Um, I remember sending it in, and we had to print them. You know, print the first fifty pages, and have self-addressed envelopes, and had to you know it's like all this process. Nothing was digital, and. Um, I sent it in, and I could not wait to get the results back because I just knew my mm-hmm. book was fabulous. And I got it back, and I opened it up, and the first judge's thing 
said in big letters across the top of the judge's sheet, I hate first person. Oh, jeez. And, <laughs> and I was like, why are you judging a chick lit, a chick lit contest then? Right, because exactly. Because you know half of That's them are going to the be that way. for first person, yeah. Yeah, kind oh of what they do. So it was just such a blow, and it was just like, what do you mean you don't like my story? You know. Um, and then I eventually sold that book a few years later, but and I fixed it. I did a lot of stuff. There were things wrong. But mm-hmm. again, yeah, it's like that process of rejection and being prepared and knowing yeah. that if it happens, it's just what it is. It's, you know. Um, and that, and I think your our writers groups help us with that too. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, you, it gives I don't, you people I don't to, know. to buffer yeah. the the impact. Yeah, of what yeah. happens, and you know, now everybody's like, "Aren't you upset? Like, if this happens or your contract's up, whatever." I went, "No," and they went, "No." I went, "Or don't you have books out? Like, have you checked your sales numbers?" I was like, "No." I like, <laughs> I was like, "I can't control it." Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nothing un, in my control. So once that book is out there, I've I've completely lost control of it. So I just have mm-hmm. to let let the work stand out there and see what happens. So yeah, and it's very yeah. weird because I I remember like refreshing Amazon like every thirty seconds, like to see how my numbers mm-hmm. went, you know. And I still will do that if like something's doing really well, like I'll go back and check. But if otherwise. Unless somebody says, hey, by the way, your book is doing really well. I'll go, oh, okay, cool. You know, I didn't yeah, even fabulous. know the first time I hit USA Today, I hit it number 52, I think it was, or 54, which was high. Okay. And I was right between Oprah and Lee Childs on the list. <laughs> I didn't even know until a week later. It, I was already – Oh, wow. It was a one-week thing. I, I was on for a week. It was – and I, I hit – and the only reason I knew was because somebody congratulated me because they saw the listing on the RWA list, Romance Writers of America. Oh, they list the right. the USA bestsellers or the bestsellers for that week, the week before. And I, my name was there. And they said, you must have hit the list. And I went back and looked. My publisher didn't know. They, nobody knew. And I was like, wow, well, that's anticlimactic. Like everybody's like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm popping champagne. And I'm like, um. Oh, it was a week ago. My husband goes, "Oh, that's cool." I was like, "Yeah." I said, "It's kind of a big deal." <laughs> like, it is kind of a big deal. I was like, oh, "It's kind yeah. of a big deal." So yeah, so I didn't even know because I hadn't checked. I didn't look. Well, so. it's funny because um, when my first book came out, and you know, even the first Tule book came out, came out um, we did the Men of Marietta because the mm-hmm. the way that it was set up is they were releasing. There was five of us, and it was five weeks a new book. A week. Right. And so mine was the last one. And um, was yours right before mine, or was yours the mine third? Mine was third. Kaylee's was right. Third. Before You're yours. right in the middle. Yeah, it was That's Heidi, right. Kate, me, Kaylee, you, you, Kaylee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um. So I remember because my mom, she, you know, at first you, and and here's the other thing, people, you know, everyone out there, do not read your reviews. And like, especially never read your reviews. Just never. Just don't even, just don't. Um, And so, of course, the first book, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting all these great reviews. And then the first bad review I got, I was just devastated. And now I don't even look. And now, and that's the only one you remember. That is the only right. one you remember is that that bad one bad review. You get forty good ones, and then you'll get one mm-hmm. bad one, but that's the one that sticks. 
So what somebody mm-hmm. told me to do was to make a folder on your computer with copies of all your five-star reviews that you can mm-hmm. go to when you have a bad day. <laughs> and you can Well, I have a friend of mine, Tara West, who was mm-hmm. so brilliant. So she writes she – writes, um, some of her scenes are, are, you know, pretty sexy. And so mm-hmm. she, got, she got this review that said this book is nothing but sex. Don't buy it. So mm-hmm. it was a one-star review, and she actually used that to market it. Oh it yeah, you can use that as an fantastic. ad. Fantastic. We we've uh-huh. I've I've seen people do that, and I've actually suggested it to people. I was like, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, one star of you. There's too much sex in this book. <laughs> it's like boom. <laughs> that is brilliant. I think she yeah, was the first one that did book. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. So it was yeah, so she good. was she brilliant could not doing stop selling books. Yeah. Yeah. She right. Stop selling them. It was. Yeah. Oh, I don't so. want this book. It's got sex in it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I know. Um, apparently a lot. <laughs> Take my money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please do. Um, and speaking of people needing to take give give them your money, you need uh-huh. to tell us about All of Me, which is the third book of your Compass Cove series. Yes, All of Me. Um, it's, oh, God, it took me so long to write. It was. You know, I was dealing with a really sensitive subject. I was dealing with domestic violence. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I do I do cross into some serious subjects. Um, Lily was a sure. survivor. She had left her job and everything behind in California and come home to Compass Cove. And all she wanted to do was kind of shake off the idea that she was a victim. Um, mm-hmm. And she never really dealt with it. But really what this book is about is not only about um, uh, you know the 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 old boyfriend and the romance. It's really about Lily healing and mm-hmm. Lily learning how to drive her own story. You know, we we often talk about agency, um, women's agency in romance, and I think so many people think that means sex. You know, that they're making the decisions about their sexuality and what happens and all that. And I do believe that's true. But it also means that our stories are becoming more heroin focused. Um, mm-hmm. And Lily drove that story. She she made the decisions about how things were going to happen, even though she had Jack hovering, you know, saying, "Well, you know, I'm going to watch out for you, and even whether you like it or not." And Geo was there, and she, but she pushed back because she knew that the only person who could make things better was her. So. Right. That's really what I wanted to do was I wanted to show her as the not a victim but a survivor. And that was right. my that was my whole focus. And um you know but there's a lot to go through. There's she she has some PTSD, she has fear, she has shame um that she let this happen to her that um she she had been beaten down emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole idea of how did I let this happen? How did how right. did this happen? And that's where a lot of it comes in. Why we don't hear from victims is because they feel shame that this happened to them, because it was obviously their fault that they that didn't they get out of it soon enough. Mm-hmm. That they they let it happen, and that's not the case. So there has to be that transition. And um, I I will interview trauma counselors, and there's a friend mm-hmm. of mine who who is a trauma counselor and. I'm always on the phone with her and going, okay, just give me give me this now. Tell me how I'm walking through this. And PTSD is not 
loud in a lot of cases. We forget that. It's not the guy standing up and, you know, shooting up someplace or, or going crazy or screaming at everybody. In a lot of cases, PTSD is very quiet, especially in mm-hmm. women. They tend to withdraw and they run right. away. And that and that's something she didn't like about herself. So, yeah, she had a lot to deal with. Um, I'm very proud of the book. I think it it does her justice um, because I didn't use the, the abuse as a vehicle as much as it's just, it's part of her. Her surviving is just part of who she is. So, and um, it helped her, you know, all the healing helped her grow past it and take charge of things. So that's really where I was at with it. Where did you come up with the idea of having a domestic, uh, a person who'd gone through this? Uh, as your character she just did you know that was the thing okay. when it and when it happens organically like that you know uh, when i was when i was writing her she she'd been in the first two books um as mm-hmm. a, a secondary character so we knew that she'd come back we knew that she had opened her salon we knew her background a little bit we knew that she didn't talk about it either why she came home um, yeah, you know, and left behind a very successful career as a hairstylist to the stars. You know, she was a, a Hollywood hairstylist. She worked on movies. Yeah. She, you know, things like that. And there was no indication as to why. And so I knew that there was something. And so what I do when I'm fleshing out a character is I start out with a big piece of paper, and I put their name in the middle, and then I just start to put words down. And I let her kind of just get in my head. And all of a sudden, it started to unroll. And she put, and then the our antihero, our antagonist, her ex, his name came out. I had to get away okay. from Geo, and that was it. And then I knew. And uh-huh. I was like, "There she is. There it is. It's right there." I had to get away from Geo. And there were little things like fear came out, um, loss. Um, you know, darkness, um, you know, different words that kind of populated this page. And as I started to pull together this word cloud, um, she kind of came out of it. And I knew her story. And it was a very weird experience. But I think that's also why it took me a while to write the book, because it took a while for her to fully open up about what story I was going to tell. So like this book took me longer to write than any book I've ever would. written. It took me almost a year. So Yeah. And and she is doing that, you know, you're talking about your character. That's what mm-hmm. a lot of domestic violence victims would do is they wouldn't just lay it out on the table and right. everything there. I mean, it would be layers. It would be yeah. one small piece at a time, one tiny bit. Yeah, um, and that was it. And yeah. that's how she revealed it in the story. It was it was it kind of unfolded for different people in her life until finally she just blew it all open and took mm-hmm. control of it and took control of the narrative and changed it. And that was what had to happen. But she had to learn to trust people with her story. And I think she had to right. trust me with her story. And, yeah. you know, I say, I say that to people who are not writers and they go, what? You know? Yeah. They don't, Should we they don't call quite somebody? get it. Yeah. It's like, is this a real person? I'm like, no, but she is. But she could, she's a, she could be any survivor. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what I wanted to get across. But it took a while for her to come come out. I mean, my hero Jack. I knew who he was. He was Dudley Do Right. I got him. You know the yeah the and and Geo our 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 antagonist the the abuser. He was a sociopath, plain and simple. He was that yeah. guy who had no line. There was no line he would not cross. Mm-hmm. And just was entitled, but charming, and unassuming, sure. and falsely modest. And you know everybody thinks a sociopath is crazy. They're not. They their their whole their whole focus is I'm going to see who I I can undo. And yeah. there are a lot of times they're very very it it, it it flies under the radar. Nobody expects it. So well, they're very patient. That, what? They're very patient. Very patient with their very, process. Very very patient. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, because if they come in, you know, all of a sudden at once, everyone's like, no, I don't think so. So it's, exactly. it's got to be woven. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and, they, and then and she they has change, to go through they, the whole, yeah. They write the story. They they mm-hmm. write the narrative in your head. They get into your head. They know how to manipulate people. And they take their time with it. They earn your mm-hmm. trust, and then they shatter it. And then it's the gaslighting. Well, you know I'm not like this. You must have made me this way. You must have made me do this. Right. You know, and so that was that was it. So it was it was a lot of learning. I had to do a lot of learning to make sure that I wasn't just creating a caricature on the page. Um, right. For him, especially, like I couldn't make him this monster, because then why mm-hmm. would she have been with them? There had to be right. something in there that that brought her to that point. So. And that's what well, there are times as you're writing, because I'm sure he got very dark and, and you know, her, mm-hmm. just, her going through her process. Were there times that you're sitting there writing and you just had to say, oh, okay, hold on. I got to just, like, stand up for a second away. and breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I think that's why it took me mm-hmm. so long, because it was very yeah. emotional and it was draining. I mean, there were times if I could write, I don't know, 100 words in a day. And normally I'm a 2,000-word-a-day mm-hmm. girl you know, 1,500 mm-hmm. words a day. I've done that without a problem. There was one day I remember I wrote like 6,000 words or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, this one, if I was lucky some days if I got 500. It took me a okay. very long time, a very long time. Was there ever a time that – so I've, I've had scenes where I've been – it's like nobody come in the office. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, everyone comes in the office. Um, and so <laughs> – yeah. Um and and my husband walks in and I'm sobbing. It was a scene yeah. in one of my books that a, a person was was in hospice and it was, you know, it was mm-hmm. time. And yeah. um so was, and he walked in he goes, "Hey, I was are you okay?" And I said, "Get out of here." You know, cuz no, I'm ruining it. I'm fine. <laughs> Get out. I'm just killing somebody. Yeah. So, um yeah, <laughs> I mean, was was yeah. were there moments like that for you? Oh yeah. Sure. There were absolutely when she when she came to her realizations and and she she had to at one point in the story she you know she she faced him down. It was yeah. afterwards that it was really so tough because it was like this this adrenaline letdown. And I had it too. Like I sat there like literally I had a headache for 2 days afterwards because you know, I I had her adrenaline rush as I was writing a scene, and then it it collapsed around me, 
and I was sitting in my office just crying. And my son walked in. He's he's 26, and he goes, Mom, Mom, you're right. I'm writing something. He went, okay. <laughs> and he would just walk out and close the door behind him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, he's an artist, so it's like he's he's okay. Like he's you know he's my artistic one. He's a writer. He's a photographer. You know he's that's him. So he's kind of like okay. If it had been one of my daughters yeah. who were both like hard science, you know, one's an engineer, one's a physical <laughs> therapist, they would have been like, take yeah. a pill, mom. Like, <laughs> Are, do I need to call someone? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. It'd be like, here, do you need something? So. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, it's I think that's why sometimes some people don't they don't get into the they think writing's just the easiest thing in the world. And and yeah, you can throw words down on a page or on a screen, mm-hmm. sure you can. Um, but to make anyone want to read them the way right. that you wanted them to hear it, um, mm-hmm. is is definitely harder. Um, yeah. and you really do sometimes have to get in those people's heads and sometimes you don't want to be in those characters' heads. No. Uh, because of who you've created. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it was it's tough. definitely scary. Yeah. 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 And so and there are times, like, I have, that I'm book, writing, I just vibrate. Like, literally, you can feel uh-huh. it. Like, when you're going to get it. Like, I'm sure you feel it, too. It's like you're sitting there, and they're, like, consuming. And all you yeah. want to do is get it out on the page. And I literally, I can feel myself vibrating with the energy. And it's the most bizarre thing in the world. And, like, yeah. you know, my husband will see me and I'll be, like, up in the morning. I'll be up late. I can't sleep. I'm writing in the middle of the night. Like, if I wake up at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, he'll look, he'll he'll turn over and my computer's open. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm going, I just have to write this down. And he's like, you're a lunatic. He goes, stop <laughs> you know, I go, He goes, you have to go to work in three hours. I go, I know, but I just have to write this down. So yeah, yeah. I can lay here and stare at the ceiling, or I can write this down. I and go can back write. I can. I can just let this run around in my head because it's not going away. So yeah, yeah it's a little crazy, so, but it's fun. So you've got this book out, and then mm-hmm. what is your next project? I'm actually working on two. So this is pretty exciting. Um, I'm okay. working on a Christmas story for next year. Um, okay. I'm hoping for next year, and. It's going to have two characters. My two characters are both over 50. I love it. Yeah. So it's um, it's a small town um, Christmas romance, and my hero and heroine are over 50. And um, so, yeah, so that's that. And then I'm going to be working on the fourth Compass Cove book. And then okay. I have a rom-com floating around in my head that I want to play with, so... And that yeah. also has a seasoned heroine. She's older. So that should be fun. So when you say older, what is what is that considered in the romance uh romance landia character? In romance landia than... it's actually considered thirty five and up. For wow. a woman. Yeah, it's really okay. kinda sad. But um and that's why <laughs> there's been such a push with seasoned romance and there's gonna be a new chapter for, for writers to join and there's a very, very popular group on Facebook, the Seasons Romance Facebook group. Um, I suggest anybody who wants older characters and to read older characters, reader or writer, join it because it's just fantastic. Karen Booth and Maggie Wells and Natasha, um, they are all so wonderful about it and they've they've created a really great community um but if, for a long time romance heroines were supposed to be in their 20s 
Yeah. And, you yeah. know, you could get away with early 30s. And mine tend to be in their early 30s, mid-30s. Um, but older is a problem. Older than 35 is a problem. You can get away with a guy who's in his late 30s, even 40. But yeah. for women, it's tougher. Um, my book, Until You, my heroine is 40. They're just divorced. And my hero's 29, almost 30. Okay. So that one, and but I couldn't get that sold. Thule finally, the, Jane Porter and Kelly Hunter both read it, and they loved it, and they published it. But it would not, it would not sell to New York, even though editors read it and loved it. Sales and marketing yeah. shot it down. It wouldn't sell. So they went, no, nobody wow. wants to read this. Nobody's interested in a woman this old. This old. She's 40. <laughs> I'm laughing. Wow. I'm, not, I'm thinking about how old I am, and I'm going, I wish I was 40 again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I wish it. my skin looked like it was 40 again. Um, but, yeah, so it's very tough. Um, you know, there, were, there have been editors who've rejected manuscripts saying nobody, nothing interesting happens to anybody over 30. Wow. Oh yeah, nobody yes. wants to read nobody wants to read granny sex. Wow. Yeah. Granny it's sex. Been, over it's, 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 so it's granny sex over the age of 30? 35. <laughs> over the age of 35. Wow. So that's where your cutoff point. It's getting better though because there was a a survey last year um in Grandsnet on uh, which is a British site that they did with HQ Stories, which is HarperCollins um romance wing in the UK. And it found that women over 40 found themselves severely misrepresented in fiction and that there weren't enough stories for them. So I think the market's huge. It's huge. And and here's the, it is. And and it's frustrating because it's like, oh, there's no market for, um, you know, um, biracial characters. There's no market for inter, interracial couples. There's no market for LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's like there is. There is. It's yes, there huge. is. Huge. And this because is a this not is everybody a, a category that crosses all of those things. It crosses yeah. gender. It crosses sexuality. It crosses race. It crosses ethnicity. It crosses everything because we're all getting older. Yeah. And it's yeah. absolutely critical that we allow these stories to be told so like i said i've got two books down the pike that they're they're both my hero and heroine will be over 50 or at least 50 in it because I you know it. what why not why not yeah exactly netflix just put out a very cool movie with rob lowe and Kristen davis from sex and yes, the city i saw it and it's mm-hmm. called holiday in the wild and it's yes. they're both older it's a seasoned romance it is fantastic it is so well done it's a nice slow burn it's beautiful it's a beautiful story totally believable and i loved it absolutely loved it and it was that's what we need that's what we need is those kinds of representations you know and she stands out there in the the african savannah with the elephants and you can see her crow's feet or whatever and it's okay it's perfectly yeah. okay. It doesn't make her any less beautiful. So I I think actually sometimes those situations actually make them more so, because yeah. it's um it's a feeling of you know look look at my story look how far I've come mm-hmm. look how far I'm still going to go, um yeah. and I, yeah yeah it's I I'm so. glad I'm glad for that. 
Yep. So, well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank Cannot you for having wait. me again. I love talking for, to you. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody yeah. reading all of me. It is uh, Jeannie Moon's third book of her Compass Coast series. And then she's got a few other books you might want to take a peek at. But all of me, the first chapter is on her website. It's Jeannie Moon, G, I'm sorry, J E A N N I E, moon.com. And you can find her on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter and BookBub and Instagram and all those fabulous places. But And also all the links of her social media and her website will be in the write-up of the show. Thank you so much, Jeannie, and we're going to talk to you soon when your next Thanks, book comes Trisha. out. I want to know all okay. about it. Thanks. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Right, bye-bye. And everybody out there, you guys keep reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.